Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's rewards. Must be 21 or older. Minus three. With Dave Damashek. Hi, and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus Three, presented as always by Omaha. You are officially four seconds closer to Super Bowl 57 than you were when I started talking and you started listening to me now seven, nine, or thereabout seconds ago. Welcome to it, Eagles. Chiefs, you already know that. There's some other big sports news out there, like Tom Brady's retirement. Again, let's talk about all of it. Eddie Spaghetti there behind the glass and sitting high atop show business, making judgments, ruling what we're going to see and hear about in entertainment in the months and years to come. It's Kevin Hench. What's the poop, fella? How are you? I'm good, brother. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, we'll get into it, obviously, but. I am. Uh, I'm still. I'm still angry. About what? Oh, 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 oh. Well, listen. Let- I just saw Spaghetti's text. Like I was like, you know, I just texted you guys, and it's like, you know, in the aftermath, Spaghetti's like, I don't even know if I want to watch the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm still. I'm like, you know, <laughs> people around the office. Are like, who, who do you like? Who do you got? I'm like, I don't give a. Shit. I'm furious. I'm Good furious. For you. You and Spaghetti should go on a date. Maybe you should go have tea at Huntington Gardens or whatever people do when football Sundays are going on and you don't care about football. You two are so miffed. I I mean, I think I'm vexed about the officiating. You two are even worse. We're going to get into it. We have our goat and goats to get to here. So let's pause that for a second. I have three quick questions for you, Hench. And Spaghetti, chime in with your answers. And these came off of... Um, a discussion that I just had with cousin Sal and Martin Weiss on extra points. Go back and listen to them. I'll try to bite my lip and not chime in too much and encourage you to listen to my responses on that show. And instead I'll defer to you guys on these first question. Where do I start here? Where do I start here? All right. I'm going to start with this one. It's not even football. It's not even, it's not even, it's not even, it's not even football related. Um, It's baseball related. Scott Rowland. The newest member of baseball's Hall of Fame. How say you? React. Okay. I agree. Spaghetti and I are both giving it the thumbs up. Um, you can't just declare a position on the field is ineligible to make the Hall of Fame because unless you're Mike Schmidt, you'll never accrue the raw numbers playing at the hot corner like if you are the best third baseman of your generation, you should go in the Hall of Fame. Like, I don't like the pushback on Scott Rowland was nuts to me. Like, never finished in the top five, this, that, the other thing. It's like the guy was a stud at a position where you don't have a long career, you don't put up big numbers, and third baseman should be eligible for the Hall of Fame. Of course, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Okay, that's fine. But as a matter of fact, I have not really talked much about this. The issue for me, as I know you already know, but I will say it out loud, is that Scott Rowland and Hal Baines are not better baseball players than Dave Parker and uh, and Don Mattingly and Steve Garvey. That's the issue. What 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 the, what the hell are we doing here? What what are we doing here? I mean, it's one thing to. How get up on Mount Pius about Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire or whatever. Okay, well, Dave, Dave Parker this. enjoyed the schmutz a little bit, but that, I mean, how this. deep are we going to go with the, with the Do, morality uh, here? You know, and and you know, Cobra was obviously a special player, but uh, as as a as someone who's 
like baseball loyalty is to shortstops and the importance of that position and having played the left side of the infield, like, yes, Don Mattingly uh, was great around the bag at first base. Steve Garvey started at third base, ended up at first base very quickly. You know, there's just no comparison in how difficult it is to play third base as opposed to first base as everybody sees the Sunday after the wedding when everyone goes out to play softball. Yeah, anybody can can catch the lollipop at first base. Meanwhile, try to feel John Kimmel's screaming one hopper at your chest if you're playing third base. Like, so I, you know, Roland's special set of skills, uh, I, I think are more, more important than, uh, than Mattingly being slick around the bag. You know, I mean, Cobra is a weird case because he at his best, obviously an MVP and a batting champ, but also had some longevity. I don't really understand the argument against Cobra. I mean, I feel like it's this outmoded, like I say, sense of morality. The the steroid era covered up the cocaine era, and that obviously was a dark little stretch there at the Three River Stadium when the pirate parrot. I wonder how many of the, Do you know that Eddie Spaghetti is a younger fella? that the pirate parrot was involved in dealing the schmutz to the buckos. That's a pretty funny, you got to admit, that's a pretty funny uh, scheme that they had going on there. But yes, the Cobra was the best player in baseball for five years. That's a long enough stretch by itself. But even after he leaves the buckos with the reds and the, and the athletics and the Jays got big time hits and big time spots. What's the holdup here, everybody? This is bizarre. This is the, I don't want to get hyperbolic, but I, don't, I haven't heard any good pushback from another name out there in any sport who has been omitted from the Hall of Fame to, to this point, who trumps Dave Parker's omission from the Baseball Hall of Fame, right? Spaghetti, are, Spaghetti, are, you, uh, are you Gen Z or are you a millennial? I would be a millennial. I'm 92. You're a millennial. Yeah. So, what am I? But you're uh, you're you obviously your Gen generation X. understands the gig economy, man. You got to just be hustling from one job <laughs> to the next. And I promise you the pirate parrot made a lot less as the mascot than he did selling cocaine to the entire roster. That was that, you know, he's looking at his he's, he's doing his books and he's like, man, this mascotting does not pay nearly as well as my side hustle getting the cobra, his booger sugar. <laughs> um, but I agree. That's the reason he's not in the Hall of Fame. That's insane. You know, every once in a while. I mean, I don't know. Why isn't he otherwise? I mean, every once in a while, Super 70s, Super 70s sports, Ricky will just post, you know, two of Cobra's throws, you know, where you're like, he he threw the ball from the warning track uh, with no arc to home plate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, a generation I mean, ba- batting titles, MVP. I mean, batting. I mean, d- don't forget, this was not the. This was the. Okay, maybe he wasn't the greatest runner. So I was about to say five tool guy, the the mythological five tool. But I mean, four tool. Right. I mean, hit for power, but hit for average as well. Don't sleep All on right. that too. But, so it's very. You no, know, we can't. Okay. You know, it's the it's the week before the Super Bowl. All right, I wanted to bring it up to you because we hadn't talked about it. You bum. All right, fine. So spaghetti doesn't even get the answer. For the record, spaghetti, I wanted you to have a chance to respond, but we didn't give it to you. So I, we're gonna move on. I can get oh, in ten seconds. I can get in ten seconds. I think the I agree with everything Hench said. It, it's the frustration with the. 
Hall of Fame voters that are taking it out on Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland, if he played a decade prior, two decades prior, he is one of the, the premier players of that era. He for sure deserves to get in and also the positional value of being probably a top 10 third baseman, probably a three to five top defensive third baseman for sure gets him in. We talk about longevity too. Ted Simmons over Thurman Thomas, who was the better catcher, uh, you know, the air. Come on. I mean, uh, we could, and probably will on the other side of football, we can dig dig in on this one if you guys want to. Next question, Hench. Sal asked it, and it's fascinating to me. Sean Payton, new head coach of the Denver Broncos, much made about it and much made about what they had to give up to bring him there to Denver. D'Amico Ryans goes back to where he was a player, the Houston Texans, to coach that team up. You know, off off the top of your head, be like, Broncos or the Texans? Of course, Um, I'm going to Denver. But how say you, Hench? Which gig is the better one to have right now? And you can treat it as a three-dimensional human being um, and incorporate which city you'd rather live in with your family or as a single man, either way. Well, well, remember... During the season when Sal would send out those those blasts where it was like the, you know, the Broncos would be they were it was like this. We like the Broncos would be 12 and four if they'd scored 18 points in all of their games. Right. Like they they were in every game. Right. They were right there. And so, you know, if you're Sean Payton, you're like, I could have scored three more points. I know where they left. You know, like all like it seems like they're bad. But they're not actually as bad as their record. Um, that I think said, I agree with that. I think I agree. And I mean, like, look, obviously, you know, I, I no no offense to Harris County and Houston, Texas, but Denver is a spectacular place to live. I mean, Denver is you got the Rockies in the distance, like there's snow on the mountains, but you're playing pickup basketball. It's in the 70s in the city. Anyway, so Denver, better quality of life. The the big thing when I saw that story, and I still don't understand it, and maybe you guys can explain this to me, what everyone, what everyone says about the Chargers is they're cheap. They're cheap. But when you watch them score three points in the last 34 minutes and 20 seconds against the Jaguars to lose that game, okay, Brandon Staley's had like seven fireable offenses but the final one is like gacking a 27 point lead in the playoffs, not, you know, not being able to score more than three points with Justin Herbert. So then if you're Sean Payton, you're like, he's been watching this drawing up plays for Justin Herbert. He's ready to, to live the SoCal lifestyle with this, this franchise quarterback. And then the chargers don't fire Stanley. Like, I don't even know what, I can't think of any argument with the quarterback guru in the wings to not create an opening to court Sean Payton to pair him with Justin Herbert. Do you hear that spaghetti? Never do I feel smarter than when Kevin Hench, not knowing what my opinion is, agrees with my opinion. That's exactly right. You know, I love rivalries. I love adding any heat to it possible. And this is it. Now the Chargers are going to watch. They could have chased Sean Payton, and I'm with you. He probably would have chosen L.A. over the Broncos for obvious reasons. Her, I'm not talking about lifestyle. I'm talking about Herbert versus thir- mid-30s Rust. Um, it, I think you're right, and now that's going to be a fascinating thing to track as those two teams go. Like if the Broncos get good and the Chargers remain the Chargers, boy, they will rue the day, as will their fan base. Um 
But I, I one thing I will say, Houston has marvelous food. Oh, what food they have. If you haven't been to Houston, Texas in the last decade, get over there. They got it all. Whatever you want, they got it in high-end versions of it. Eddie Spaghetti, which would you choose? I mean, I, I think what Houston did is a it's great because you brought back a former player to kind of re-energize the city, the fan base. Obviously, very strange firing back-to-back coaches in only a season. And then plus, you're probably going to end up with Bryce Young if I had to put my money. Actually, I did put money on it uh, at Harry's wedding uh, almost a year ago. But uh, I do think Bryce, you know, having Bryce Young there, having uh, the head coach you're familiar with is great. But, uh, you know, Denver's roster, we, we made fun of them so much last year. Like Russell Wilson is not going to be as bad as he was. It's almost like statistically impossible to be as bad as that offense was. They did lose Tim Patrick. They tried the two-headed monster with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. He got hurt. Like if Williams comes back healthy, Tim Patrick's back. Their receiving core now was three, you know, really good receivers. Um, I, I think Sean Payton get the most out of Russ. I don't think Russ is done yet. So the the problem is though is you're in this division that has a Chargers team that'll still hover around 500 you have a, a Raiders team that you know is in flux right now we'll see what happens with them um and then you have the Chiefs who very well could win the Super Bowl so it's one of those things where yeah the AFC South the the path to being successful is probably easier but I think in terms of the better overall roster especially next season it's going to be Denver well I mean but look at the Jaguars as, as your evidence of what I'm about to say the Texans feel bleak now but they're about to add like you say Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or whoever they like best out of that class and these are guys who are considered high pedigree pretty close to can't miss guys I think just in football terms that's the most important thing you want him on his rookie deal I think that is a clear path there okay one more question and then we will slide into our goat and goats of the week here I already know where we're going here let's talk about Brady so he retires a couple of days after Bobby Hall one of the all-time great NHLers obviously um, everybody knows the Jet if you've paid attention to Puck for any amount of time one of the great goal scorers of all time and in both situations an interesting like uh, I guess a, a moral debate what's right here Hench do we have to whitewash the bad stuff when somebody dies or when or, or even more, like when somebody retires, we're not allowed to bring up? I'm conflicted about it, really. It's like, OK, we can wait on the Brady and the Patriots cheating business and all that. We don't have to lean into that today. That can be tomorrow if we want it to be. We can honor the man. Or is that even going too far? Is that being too uh, pious about uh, how we talk about these sports guys. They're three-dimensional people, and if they're lousy people, I'm not saying Tom Brady is, but seems pretty clear by his post-playing days that Bobby Hall was not a great guy advocating for Nazis and allegedly hitting women and all that kind of stuff. Where do you come down on this? There was a lot of pushback on, like, how dare you dishonor Bobby Hull, one of the all-time greats, by bringing up the bad stuff in his life. It's so funny you mentioned that this is one of the questions you have for me because last night, uh, you, you know, you turn on the TV, you're with the old lady, you get, you know, you have a very small window before you both pass out at our age. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, what are we going to watch? What's on? But when I turn the TV on, Braveheart's on. And you know, you're like, oh, it's pretty early. Obviously, we're not going to watch this whole movie. Let's just watch this scene. Got to watch him kill all these these uh, filthy Brits. Like, let's. But I'm watching it, and I'm like, it's very hard. I said to Heather, I go, ah, it's hard watching this guy, man. It's hard watching this guy. And she's like, she's like, why? It's like, he's such a bad guy. And she's like, 
Well, I mean, you know, I'm like, all I can do is hear the voicemail he left for his his girlfriend or his wife or like, I just hear it. Like he's doing a credible Scottish accent, but all I can hear is that voicemail he left in a Scottish accent. Like this monster, this anti-Semite is like, I'm like having, I'm having a hard time rooting for him. And then Heather's like, I'm having no problem whatsoever. She's like, she is just, she is disappearing into Mel's eyes. I was just going to say, cause she, cause she finds him dreamy. Right. Yeah. We, we, we'll all, like, yeah. we all will rationalize. I guess that's the thing. I'll rationalize my guys, my favorite teams. If there's a guy on there, I can blur my eyes and let that stuff go, but I will lean into it. If it's another team, it's like, I always say it's the res- re- end of reservoir dogs. If we all try to shoot each other down, then we're all going to wind up dead on the ground. You can you, you can cast aspersions on everyone's team because no team has a, has a bunch of uh, choir boys on it. There's going to be some bad seeds in there. Same goes, I guess, with the movies we watch. Same goes for Woody Allen, as a, for instance. So how say you? You do have moral qualms with these. So, so you know, I mean, obviously, so with, with Bobby Hall, I, I don't I don't have a hard time. I don't have an emotional connection. I don't have a hard time discrediting the body of work based on the lousiness of the man. But with Brady, and obviously we're not we're not talking about anything on the scope of Mel Gibson's voicemail no, or Bobby Hall's, but but I'm much more like Heather in that regard of like, I don't, there's nothing the guy could do. The guy could do, he could go on a Bobby, and I'd be like, always came through. I realize. I realize he's going to the take back the Reich march in Charlottesville, but God, he came through in the clutch. Yeah. I, I, you know, that's, that's, (laughs) I I could not, I could not serve on a jury if Tom Brady was charged with something. (laughs) Yeah. You would, they would excuse you. That's, that's what uh, you got in your Uh, guy in the Tom Brady Jersey. Feel free to leave the courtroom. <laughs> oh, good. I'm going to go see 80 with Brady or whatever the hell that thing's called. Um, all right. I, I'm just curious about that. I don't even know ultimately where I come down, but there was some real nastiness. And if I am going to just get an Airbnb for an hour, even at the at the cheap motel at the foothill of Mount Pius. And, and I do think it's a little bit of telling on yourself when you fight too hard for like, how dare you? Say, I can't, the, the, how dare you mention the bad stuff about Bobby Hall the day he dies? Like, why are you so fervently defending him right now? He's maybe he is a bad guy. Like, why, why are you getting on other people for mentioning um, what is black and white reality? I said, it's very strange to me, but uh, I'm not sure ultimately where I come down on it. Like I say, I think if we all start uh, shooting at everybody else, no, no one's going to end up winning that game. Um, okay, so we go into our goat and goats now. And I'm going to leave it to you guys, and then we'll come back. But I do want to start out with this one. My GOAT of the week, Tom Brady is the GOAT, so it's ironic for him to be involved in being the GOAT this week. But it's Bob Kraft and Tom Brady as the latest pair, and it appears like it's tracking this way. Bob Kraft has publicly stated that he wants Brady to sign a one-day contract with the Patriots. And I, I have to bring up bring this up again. This is a 46-year-old man who spent the last three years of his life, it's not a secret, in Florida. He won a Lombardi trophy with another team, let alone the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He wore that dumb red flag on his head. That's Tom Brady doing that. He chose to do that. He chose to force his way out of New England. And now this weird, cheap panacea to erase the last three years. I don't... 
this happens over and over again, these one-day contracts. Who is it for? Who's it for? Bob Crabb is aware of what happened the last three years. Tom Brady knows what happened the last three years. Does this talk about whitewashing something or erasing history? What the hell are we doing? Who cares about this? Do fans care about this? Why would does does it somehow erase? What happened? What if we do this in, in with the rest of our lives? In like, well, I had two wives and my second wife was great, but I just want to say before I check out, I'm about to die. I just want to say my first wife was my number one all along. Like, what, what do we do? I mean, what's the point of it? Who cares about it? And this is all grownups, grownups gathering around. We only have so many precious moments here on the big blue marble. And Tom Brady and Bob Kraft are going to take a few of theirs and sit at a desk and sign a, a legal document for a one-day contract? What the hell is this, Hench? What am I missing? I, I don't know what happened to you, Sheck. I literally it's the like the stupidest it's, thing I've seen. Because, stay I mean, with the every, team if you, you know, care about it. Everything you say, you tell me about your upbringing, your family. I'm like, you don't have a ton of trauma. Like, you're like, you seem like a well-adjusted guy. And then you come up with these takes, like, you know, who cares? How can you be happy for Ray Bork? How can you be crying when he finally gets his cup? For, for the avalanche with their stupid uniforms. I'm like, I love Ray Bork. I love him. I don't, what do you mean? What, how can I be happy for him? I've rooted for him for 20 years. So you're saying if Franco wins a Super Bowl for the Seahawks, God forbid there's a Franco Harris day in Pittsburgh. Do you think, do you think Ray Bork's, do you think Ray Bork's wife back in, uh, in Massachusetts when, uh, when Bork went out there and had a mistress, did, was she like, good for you. I hope, I, I hope the loving is grand. I hope it's the best loving you've ever had. I hope it's vigorous and, uh, and voluminous. I mean, what, what, what are you talking about? I'm not saying that's true about Raymond Bork. I have no evidence of that. I'm just, I'm just floating wow. a, a thought, Ray, but you, but, but you get news. my point. What are you talking about? I mean, Ray, of course. Why would you be happy for uh, Raymond Bork winning a cup on another team? You can't. Well, I would say to your point, you know, so Brady, the 20 years I spent married to Tom Brady and his success, he's the mother of my children, right? I mean, in this analogy, right. I love this man forever. Then he does go off and have a midlife room springer with some, some Florida floozy, some Florida cocktail waitress. The mother of my children. What am I going to, I don't like what, of course I love him. Like Tom Brady day in Foxborough is going to be insane. We love him so much. None of, none of this last three years has dampened the way I feel about that guy at all. And I think you could argue, um, surprise the organization by how much he had left in the tank, certainly. Uh, and, and I, I just, I think, I don't know if you know how you sound on this stuff, because by the way, by the way, Kenny Pickett, by the way, uh, you know, Deontay Johnson, like Shaq's going to turn his back on you, no matter what you do for him. If you ever, but in half of most of it's not even disloyalty. It's like they, you know, you get shown the door and you dare suit up for another team. This thing I've seen plenty of I've seen Steelers fans voicing excitement for Javon Hargrave. I hope he wins. Juju Smith-Schuster. I hope. I mean, good for them if they do. I mean, it doesn't give me a, I'm not angry about it. I just don't get, it doesn't do anything for my life if they win. Spaghetti, a ring. spaghetti. Else. I'm not mad about it. You're, you're putting too much emotion behind it. I'm talking about the erasure of reality 
for for this infantilized sense of like, well, see, Tom Brady always loved us best. It's just the weirdest. You're a grown man. This is the way you think. I, by the way, I am spoiled as a Pittsburgh sports fan because Bradshaw and Franco and Jack Lambert, well, not Franco, and Mean Joe and Mel Blanc. That's why I use Franco as my example. Mario you had to Lemieux retract it. And Sidney Crosby and Roberto Clemente and Pop Stargell. What do they have in common? They wore only black and gold. Well, Sidney Crosby. You never know about Sidney Crosby. There's, yeah, still some time, there's still some time left. Nope. No, well, it doesn't matter, be, right? Be Eddie, forever. Right, Spaghetti? Because as soon as Eddie 87 leaves the building, he's dead to Sheck. What a fan. <laughs> what a fan. That's he's awesome. Gonna, he'll be playing in Canada in a couple of years. I'm telling you. I, well, I don't think that's true. And I don't appreciate you trying to plant some some poison seed to to make an argument that, I, that doesn't currently exist. Not that we have to go off on a tangent, but you'd probably be surprised that when he, after he retires, how close he probably was being traded to Avalanche, uh, the Avalanche last year. I, I guarantee it was pretty interesting. That's just my. How do you know? What, what, what do you know? What, what insight do you have that Sidney Crosby? The insight is that the Avalanche wanted to win the, the Stanley Cup by all means necessary, and they had the ability. And he to said, play. "I would never go there." He said, "If if Nate McKinnon wants to play with me, he should move out to Pittsburgh and play with me." He never okay. floated the idea that that was a a possibility. Now I'm angry with the both of you. And then you so know what ahead. Nate McKinnon said? Nate McKinnon said, "I I want to play for a contender." I'm not coming no, to Pittsburgh. That's not nice. That's 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 cheap. And you know what? It doesn't it, it it bounces off of me because I've insulated myself in Pitt Panther basketball, gold and blue, Federico, Federico and company on their way to the tournament. That's a conversation for another time. It could be two minutes from now, could be the time for that. Maybe we'll get into there. But right now, Hench. Take it away, your goat and goats of the week. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. Have you been betting with Caesars Sportsbook and Casino app? If so, keep it up because every bet earns with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, you're getting closer to amazing perks like game tickets, free stays, bonuses, and more. And if not, well, when you get started, your first bet is on Caesars. Register with promo code OmahaFull and place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, congrats. If you don't, you'll get your stake back as a bet credit. 21 and older only offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona. Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. New users and first $10 wagers only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager return only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bet credit is $1,250. Must be used within 14 days of receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Nowhere to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Arizona? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas. Affiliated with the Kansas Crossing Casino? Call one 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier Casino, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Or uh, West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text Hope and why that's four, six, seven, three, six, nine offer not available in Maryland or Ohio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay. Uh, so my good goat is, is uh, American tackle football. I love football so much. You know, it... It takes up such a huge part of my calendar, of my Thursdays, of my Saturdays, my Sundays, my Mondays. I love watching it. Obviously, I love rooting for my team. I love betting on the games. I love, you know, even even fantasy football, although I'm not very good at it. And I just, but I was the like, Buccaneers, because the Tom yeah. Brady played for them for a but while. I was like, so you I wish was like, them well. I, I won a I won a title with Tom Brady recently. Maybe I am good at fantasy too. But um, so. But I was like, you know, I was really grinding on it this morning because I was like, why? You know, when people ask me, they go, hey, what's, uh, you know, which which team is the most important to you? You know, the Red Sox, the Bruins, the Celtics, the Patriots, you know, and I'm like, it, it the teams, it depends on what the drought is, where they're at, you know, are they contenders? But the sport never changes, which it's like it's American tackle football. That's what mm-hmm. I like to watch more than any of the other sports. And I was really thinking about why is that true? And I think that. Tackle football is the apogee of human athleticism. You know, that if if the Greeks were like the ancient Greeks were like trying to invent these Olympic games where it's like we you could run 26 miles or you could have a sprint or how far can you throw something? And I like you watch football and the range of physical achievement that you see in any professional football game, like Micah Parsons lifts an offensive tackle with his bicep and throws him on the ground. He he curls a 320-pound guy and says, please get out of my way while I sack your quarterback. You're like, Magnus Ver Magnuson couldn't do this. Like, the strongest man in the world couldn't get around this offensive tackle. Micah Parsons just throws him on the ground. You're like, oh, my God, that combination of speed, strength, agility, insane. Jamar Chase is running a million miles an hour. He's going to stop on a dime, jump, turn in the air, catch the ball between two guys. Like, oh, yeah, it's also that. Another thing that happens is guys get plastered. They get obliterated. They pop up and run to the huddle for the next play. Like, I love soccer. But if Lionel Messi had to take a shoulder to the sternum when when he crossed midfield and then pop up, and, and try to score his cute little free kick. Like, there is nothing like tackle football. The combination, speed, strength, agility, precision, the, the ballet combined with the, the war, the physical. So I 
I love it so much. That I is- love the wordsmithing there. I have to squeeze in the quick bit of irony, which is the two guys who best played not just that sports, but sports, but all of sports' most important position, QB, are Tom Brady and Joe Montana, who are anything but physical specimens. It is a, a, a funny irony, but which is again, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't remove again your a point. Testimony to the breadth of what is required for a football team to win. You have to have this violence and this physicality. You have to have this speed and you have to have this cyborg making instantaneous algorithmic decisions that result in you matriculating the ball down the field. So Mm -hmm. tackle football from a physical artistry, it's the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, right? It is like, it is, it's perfect. It's perfect. But- there are seven inept nitwits. Wait, is this that, your other goat? Yes. Okay, we're it, now going it, to away from your goat to the your to goat, my goat, goat to okay. the bad goat, right? So there are seven incompetent. I'm not gonna say corrupt because I don't. I don't even think they're good enough to be corrupt. Like corruption would require them to know what the hell is going on in front of them. So these seven officials, what they do is they climb a ladder at the Sistine Chapel and throw school bus yellow paint all over the greatest athletic physical work of art that has ever been created on planet earth. American tackle football is the greatest test of athleticism. And then these jackasses come in and go, oh, sorry to interrupt your enjoyment of this unbelievable spectacle. We're gonna ruin it. We're gonna ruin it. And how long are we gonna ruin it? As long as it takes. So when you know spaghetti sends out, it's like, I don't know if I can watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we you know, everyone's gonna be talking about the Chiefs and Mahomes and like more time for the ankle. And then, you know, we, Hertz like is 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 Hertz ready for the big stage? It's like no one will say, hey guys, probably gonna come down to a terrible sequence of missed calls. But you know, like no one wants to talk about because what we do is we move on, right? Roger Goodell doesn't want to go to the podium and go, that is unacceptable. What just happened on that field is unacceptable. And we have a crisis in the sport that we love. Like Goodell's just like, hey, moving on, nothing to see here. And, and you know, and by the way, this is happening throughout all of our important institutions, right? So it's like American football is an important institution, certainly in our lives. It is, it is like being rotted and hollowed out by this officiating crisis for which nothing is ever spoken of or done. There's no remedy. It just goes on and on and on and on. And then the New York Times runs a front page story exonerating Donald Trump uh, in the Russia uh, collusion on, on October 31st, 2016. Seems pretty clear now that the FBI agent in charge of counterintelligence in New York who provided, who was the source for that story and the source for the Hillary Clinton, Anthony Weiner laptop story has just been arrested. He's been arrested as a Russian agent. Now you won't read about that in the New York Times because like Roger Goodell, the New York Times is just moving on, man. Hey, we got more stuff to cover. Again, you're talking about the institution, institutional support for this weirdness. I so, but what you're basically, long story short, you want a referee in 2023 to be George Santos. Is that would that be <laughs> well, good? That's, now, that's I, the I, level I, of competence that we're headed to without remedies. So, so I what, hear you. So, 
okay. So, you know, like, I mean, Sal's, you know, Sal's texting me back because, of course, I bet on the Bengals and he bet on the Chiefs. So he's like, relax. They ended up punting anyway. Like, he's excusing every terrible call based on the outcome of the possession. It's like, uh, it's still an atrocious sequence of events. Oh, do we agree on this? By the way, the broader point that you're kind of getting at here that is that is 100% accurate is the division in our nation politically and all of that. There are two sides to it. So one story, people are going to be half the country roughly is going to be like, believe it. The other half of the country is like, I don't believe that. And same goes in football. If you boil it all down to the AFC title game, I've now positioned as somebody who is, as a man of justice, street justice as it, as it turns out, which is to say... I, you know, I keep saying this this week because I'm arguing with so many Chiefs fans on social media about this. I am not saying necessarily even that the push out of bounds on Mahomes shouldn't have been called by the letter of the law. Yeah, it was it was, you know, it was outside the line. His foot was out, at least one foot was out of bounds when the shove begins, all that. The point is, if you contextualize the fourth quarter alone, there were some. Dicey, no, no calls. You didn't have to make them in the fourth quarter of a title game. You can let them go. You swallow the whistle like they do in the NHL and NBA. But if you let those go, then there is a make it right call or make it right non-call, which is you let that 15, you don't decide the title game on a push, especially when I can point back within the same quarter to someone's like, you didn't call the Burrow late hit. You didn't, I mean, Mixon, I'm making a point by saying Mixon got hit at the four yard line out of bounds. I don't think they should have flagged that, but I also think it colored by those decisions. You could also swallow the whistle or eat the flag right. on that, well, on that exactly. 15 yarder. But okay. Anyway. So, so precisely, but, but, um, but my point is there are chiefs fans incented to be like, how dare you no. say that? And yeah, that's why it doesn't you know, go anywhere. Cause fans, there's some people are like, fans, I don't want to hear about it. Chiefs fans are in the super bowl because of not just one call, because of a sequence, an entire series of the way that game was officiated. Um, okay, so Ron Torbert, really just a, a monument to incompetence, like from start to finish. Okay, his crew, <laughs> and it, I know it, it, it's not necessarily his crew, but so the game starts and a, the right tackle for the Bengals rocks back in his stance. He's His feet don't, his feet don't move prior to the ball being snapped. Now we all remember Joey Bosa losing his mind because what tackles the tackles know the snap count. So the tackles can always get off a half beat for, for the, before the snap count to get deeper into their blocking posture to make it more difficult for Bosa to blow by them or even really to execute whatever move he's going to do. Now they have set up, two yards deeper, Bosa's losing his mind because you're not calling these false starts on the tackles. The calls that Bosa was infuriated about not being called, so much more egregious than this right tackle for the Bengals. He rocks back. His butt is moving imperceptibly, and his feet do not move prior to the ball being snapped. Like, are we doing the delay of game half second thing here where if the ball is snapped? No. The, the line judge comes flying in. He's shot out of a cannon. It's the beginning of the game. And he's announcing this is a letter of the law game. This is a letter of the law game. He was moving prior to the snap. That's a false start. First and 15. Okay, let's go. Then, okay, that, that Bengals offensive lineman tackled the pass rusher. Letter of the law. That's a hold. 
That's a hold. Okay, great. Now let's move. Let's move to uh, to the other side of the ball. Well, Patrick Mahomes. Hey, just a shot sheet, play by play yeah. of every bad call. Patrick Mahomes is scrambling on the play of the game before we get to Osai. There's more holds on that on that play than than I didn't think it was possible than than uh, Richard Seymour and Jarvis Green were subjected to uh, on the helmet catch. Like there, one guy held this guy three different ways. He like had a Gordy Howe hat trick of holding. He he did everything possible as these guys were trying to pull away to pursue Mahomes. But so it's not a letter of the law game. It's not a letter of the law when when the Chiefs are holding. Okay. Well, here's, but wait, wait, wait. Here's the loco thing about that one in particular. Before the shove out of bounds, yes, there are a lot of screen grabs of look at how bad the Chiefs are holding on that. Future Hall of Famer Joe Thomas and not future Hall of Famer our pal Jeff Schwartz both immediately jump and say, football fans don't know what they're talking about. They think every play is holding. That's not holding. Then Gene Steratore goes on national radio or TV and says, Oh, yeah, there's enough there for holding. Then um, Dean Blandino says, yeah, no holding there. This then lets the refs off the hook a little bit because we don't even know what holding is. The, wait, the two TV refs don't know what holding is? They, they well, don't listen, agree on it? I, what the I, hell are I we doing? I mean, how can look, we determine these things then? But that to your letter of the law, spirit of the law thing, right? If we're going letter of the law, which the, right. the, the referees have established, this is going to be a letter of the law game. Sterator's right and Blandino's wrong if it's letter of the law. What what the offensive linemen and Blandino are saying is like, look, you're not going to call a hold in this situation because it's it's just not enough. It's not a goal scoring opportunity, as I always say. So when Frank Clark, that's right. When Frank Clark pushes Joe Burrow down, I don't want that to be a penalty. We yeah, Spaghetti and I have been saying all year. We don't want, you know, the, the the chicken roughing the passer penalty that almost cost the Giants their victory over the Vikings. We don't want that to be a penalty. The sure. point is, you take two steps, shove the quarterback, he lands on his back, has been a penalty all year. So then what Ron Torbert is saying, we're more in a spirit of the law. Now we're in a spirit of the law thing. So, okay, so we've got Frank Clark. Roughs the passer, not in the spirit of law. That would just be letter of the law. Okay, so the Bengals' offensive line holds. That's letter of the law and spirit of the law. The Chiefs' line holds. That's just letter of the law, not quite spirit of the law. Then the Chiefs block the Bengal gunner in the back on the punt return. That's definitely letter of the law. That's not, you know, there's you're being blocked in the back and you're you're about to make the tackle. That's that's letter and spirit of the law. Yeah, but not at this point. We don't want it to be first and eight from the eight yard line. We'd rather have it be at midfield. So we haven't even gotten to the headline yet. Right. I mean, by the way, hey, Ron Torber, uh, if if you're the only guy in the stadium who knows the clock malfunction and everybody else is running off to let the punt occur, feel free to keep that to yourself. Nobody feels like they got jobbed. The Chiefs that is, play. that's that's the one. And and you that you're right. It's exactly right. It's the same as um attempted anything, attempted murder. Like, well, the person I was trying to murder isn't dead, so let me off the hook is the logic. What are we doing? It's still the craziest. I, I ticked them off 
um, for Sal the other day. The three worst calls I've ever seen in pro football are the Rams going to the Super Bowl on that, uh, you know, no call on the blatant PI. That's the worst. Troy Palomalu's interception on the field called an interception, catches the ball, rolls over, stands back up and drops the ball. Everybody's like, wow, obviously this is going to hold up. The broadcasters, both sides understand that the ref is the only human being on the planet, is only human being. He's like, yeah, you know what? He didn't uh, maintain possession. Overturn. And then the Bird Emanuel in 99, the title game, the, you know, ball, did he have possession, which he clearly had possession. Those are the three worst. I think this is the craziest call I've ever seen in my in my life. Did they did a redo halfway through the fourth quarter of the title games. And your boy, did Torber, Torber didn't know. Torbert didn't know until the till the till the line judge runs over. Like, no, no, I was waving my arms from 40 yards away. It's like, well, by the letter of the law, we do have to read. No, you don't have to redo it. Have some, <laughs> have some, some common sense for God. So, That's what exactly. I argue about. It's so then, sense of human of of uh, with your common sense, your humanity. You're 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 so entitled you're, that it's your right to override. You're allegedly in charge. Right. You're in charge. Show some leadership. Um, no harm, no foul. Both teams, special teams are coming onto the field. So to your point, if we're going like up letter of the law, I guess I was waving my arms. We're going to give them a do-over. So then it has to be real quick, guys. Keep your powder dry on this play. We just effed the bag. That's right. Keep your powder dry. It has to be a goal scoring opportunity. It can't be Mahomes gets dropped immediately. He gets sacked immediately. And then, you know, maybe the guy who came in waving his arms, who knows? He's all over letter of the law. He, you know, that guy grabbed him beyond the five yards. That's a hold. And then, of course, you know, what Sal will say or anybody who bet on the Chiefs is like, that's a penalty. It's like, right, right, letter of the law. Which are we doing here, right? Because it seems to be letter of the law when the Bengals do something and then spirit of the law when the Chiefs do something. So the block in the back is not called. And then we get to our final, this is the headline. But that's, but to me, that's the one that highlights what I'm talking about that vexes me so. As we've talked about and laughed about and ultimately have uh, had our football enjoyment disrupted by it is the arrogance of these. Who wants to be a referee? Apparently, we saw what kind of human being it would be to exactly say, we just had one of the most embarrassing um, uh, officiating things in the history of officiating. Just ha- We just ha- we had to call a do over here. Fellas, it really better be severe if you're going to flag the, the Bengals anytime soon. The next play, fresh set of downs. What? Where was do you have any sense? You know I mean, what it reminds me of? Spaghetti, you won't remember this. I mean, not the Czech and I were watching, but you know, the 1972 Olympic gold medal basketball game between the Russia Russians oh, that's a good and call. the US. It's like we're just gonna give them as many do-overs as it takes for them to put it in the basket. Like you're like, what? Another set of downs? Okay, let's get let so okay. So now, you know, overtime, this game deserves overtime. Right. I mean, that, that, that like, let's let's just we've had a spectacularly terrible set of decisions by the officials, but they they can salvage this game by letting the players decide it on the field in overtime. OK, hold, hold, hold. Mahomes scrambles. Now, what we know is if Osai tapped Mahomes gently on the back in the pocket. 
he's not going down in a heap, right? That contact is not going to make Patrick Mahomes fall to the ground. He's it is not quite as physical as an attaboy. Like when you slap your buddy on the back, it's a little, <laughs> it's a little gentler than an attaboy. Maybe it was an attaboy. You've had a great yeah. game on that bad yeah, angle, and I admire. And we're going into overtime, you know, and and so Mahomes does the South American soccer player. He sells out because he knows what he's doing. This guy mm-hmm. knows time and game situation. And there was like a there was a not quite a two count, but you're like, I think they're going to do the right. I think they're going to not. It is a letter of the law penalty, and I think they're going to do a spirit of the law. Let's let this game go to overtime. And then we all saw the flag enter the frame at the bottom of our screen. It's like, nope, they're going to decide the game. They're going to decide the game. So, again, you the, the, the gunner gets blocked in the back on the punt return. Neither letter of the law or spirit of the law. Congratulations, Chiefs, on having the ball at midfield. Um, Chiefs hold on the Mahomes scramble only in the letter of the law, not really in the spirit of the law. Mahomes gets his foot on the sideline, gets tapped on the back, makes a histrionic performance of it, you know, worthy of Neymar. Uh, jackass goes, I got this. It's like a, he, it's the opposite side of the field from the defensive hold that gave them another set of downs. It's like these guys are like, we're deciding this game no matter what the world wants, no matter what justice is, no matter what the letter of the law, the spirit of the law is. We are going to decide this game. And so, you know, by the way, I've been on the other side of Sal text chains when he's getting effed like that. We all know what those text chains sound like. You know, when Sal wins money, it's like, stop crying, baby. It's like, you would be losing your mind. You would be losing your mind. That is the 15th call that has been adjudicated unevenly. Wait, I thought he was on the Bengals, though, specific to this one. I hear your noise, but it does prove the larger point. What you just said there is exactly right. Which is there's no way happened. he was on the Bengals if if he was he was didn't he say that calm down. Didn't he say he was on the Bungles there? Let me check the I can't remember. I thought picks. he said that, but either way, the point your 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 larger point stands. If he was on the Bengals, if he was on the Bengals, then he's matured way too much for my taste. <laughs> it could be. I don't want my but buddy growing way, up that much. But that's Sal the point. Sal went 0 and 2 with with me and, and Martin. We both had the Niners and the Bengals. He said he went. I, I know heavy he on the had Bengals. the Bengals, but you know, as you guys know, I think heard, he said he Sal went. Some, I think maybe Sal sometimes I think has more than one thing going on. I think okay. he said he went he went pretty hard on the Bengal side, but either way, yes. Simmons and people- I Simmons and I were both like, this this is genocide. And Sal was, I mean, Sal was definitely telling us to relax. Well, I, I mean, listen, I the the point is that what it makes you crazy is is that there will always be pushback, and that's why it doesn't get fixed, is because the Chiefs fans are like, stop crying, baby. I mean, that's basically that's basically what they're all saying. Like, well, what are you going to do? Or no, it's not. And they fi- you told me, I always bring it up. When the Steelers beat the Seahawks and the world over was like, well, that was a terrible Super Bowl because of the officiating. I, I started to argue with you, with Simmons or Sal or whoever about it. And you said, don't do it. As a veteran of these arguments from the tuck rule on, it ain't worth it. It'll just diminish your enjoyment of it. Just let them have their thing and you enjoy it. That's that's what you need to do. If you're an Eagles fan of the Devontae Smith catch early, like just be like, oh well, I mean, uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. No, no use crying over the spilled milk. No, it's like it doesn't oh. diminish my enjoyment of it, but like I'm not a sociopath. I know J.R. Redmond was not out of bounds when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl. 
you know, he gets tackled, both his knees hit in the field of play, and they stop the clock, allowing Brady to hit Wiggins, I think, and 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 move the ball into field goal range for the game-winning field goal. It's like that game should have gone to overtime. Rams probably win if they don't gack that call. I don't, I don't, it doesn't diminish my enjoyment of it, but I don't pretend that it wasn't a terrible call. This is where you, you know, where a, a chief fan will let, say like, no, that game wasn't unfair. You're like, you're out of your mind. I've gotten a lot about, well, what about when the Bengals did this? And what about that? That There's a lot of that. The other big one I'm getting is, uh, as I tweet out these screen grabs, and by the way, I may just become a hot taker because even if I don't fully believe even the stuff I'm saying, the pushback on these very controversial things is uh, is funny uh, and amusing how much people uh, push back at you. But um, the... I, you know, they're Chiefs fans and then there are gamblers who are on the Chiefs. So they're incentive. But then there's this weird group of human beings who um, are are cucks for the shield for some reason. Like, what, do, what, what are you getting out of this argument? And then they go, do you know how stupid you sound saying that because there was a missed call, they should let another call go? That's the stupidest thing. Like, Tell it to the NHL and NBA. I mean, that's what, yeah, that's what's called making it right. It's called street justice. And it's like, well, the NFL's better. But that's based on what you said, the merits of the sport. We're not talking about the leagues or anything else. We just like football the best of all the sports that we that we deeply love. And the officiating can be debated in the other leagues. But yeah, that's that's pretty standard stuff. Like, oh, two minutes for uh, two minutes for hooking. Oh, the stick didn't even touch that guy like all right, we got to give it right back to the other team and make this thing right. I mean, is that wrong? I don't know. It seems kind of fair in a way. The goal to the point of street justice is at the end of the game, being able to say the referees did not decide. That's right. That's That's the goal. Not, hey, the referees decided in my team's favor, so I'm happy. Like, the point is the Sistine Chapel has has yellow paint all over it because an officiating crew has ruined another sporting event. By the way, well real quick, because I, I was probably Ricky. I don't know. Somebody posted the um, the crazy spaghetti. Might not even know this play, but like Starbuck hits Butch Johnson for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. It's it touches One of my favorites. It, it touches his hand for a tenth of a second, and then it's on the ground. And that ref is coming in, going touchdown. You know what I said? I said the other day to Sal about the Devontae Smith catch. He said, "Well, what are you gonna like if you start?" trying to have instantaneous nerve center review from off the field somewhere in New York City or otherwise. Me, you, and uh, Sal, I nominate to do this. We'll watch it. We'll make decisions within four seconds, and the game will go on, and it will be paced up, and no one will ever notice that we're in like, hey, Torbert, you missed that call. You got to just let that go um, kind of thing. Um, that is that's, What I said to him was, you know what you can tell is by the reaction of the player. The player will always tell you the, the when we would play three on three basketball, there's a half a beat when a guy says foul after they missed the shot at the rim, that there's a beat that you can feel it's pregnant. It feels like a minute between when they go foul to, to justify their miss of the layup versus like, Hey, the, the, there's a visceral instantaneous reaction. And Devonte Smith, as soon as that ball, as soon as he got up, he knew that that was incomplete. Watch him. And it's on the head coaches on the other side to notice it as much as the referees. I mean, That's where we are. Like you, you got to challenge given, that. Given the circumstances, obviously worth risking losing 
a timeout and a challenge given the the where the ball's going to be and what the score is going to be like yeah, right. you know it, it take the risk but short of putting it on the coach that does seem to be a situation you can't do it with a minute and 15 seconds left where there's a definite but, advantage to be gained by the offense moving quickly but, but the butch johnson play is the perfect example of what I, I of what i'm talking about watch butch johnson on that one he knows he didn't catch the ball <laughs> he, he he catches it as he crosses the goal line he lays out for it somersaults this is super bowl 12 so uh about uh 47 years before you walk the planet earth spaghetti but anyway he rolls over and he as he rolls over the ball he leaves it on the ground and jumps up as if to say oh my god i just dropped the super bowl touchdown pass and then he sees the touchdown and then he continues to celebrate <laughs> it, it's so blatant it's ridiculous and so uh, an era of no review wouldn't work now especially with hd and 12 cameras standardly at every football game but um but the umpire as he does with substitutions could stand over that ball for 45 seconds while the the offense is running down the field because they're trying to get away with something. And you shouldn't make the team call a timeout. You can go like, we're actually going to let the the booth adjudicate. You know, we're going to take a beat because we think, you know, you're still, if it's a catch, you're still going to have first and goal, but it's too, it's too big a play. And by the way, like, obviously the Eagles run away with that game, but it's like, Butterfly effect, chaos theory. There's no way Brock Purdy's elbow gets obliterated if they have uh, first and ten in great field position. Also true. The I right, and we had a really good conversation earlier in the week with uh, Matt Verderam, who is anti. He's like, you're crazy. Obviously, got to call that. shot on Mahomes out of bounds and everything else. And I say, no, you don't. He's like, no, it's a, it's a crazy thing that you, that you feel like you should let that one go. Um, you know what? You've done a gangbusters job. Uh, beating All right. Now listen, I appreciate your support. And I love that we're on the same side of so many of these issues. Cause we don't do a pre-production meeting. That was all mm-hmm. organic. That was all organic agreement from, from Cobra all the way to Torbert. We covered yeah, it all. Well, we had the yeah, ugliness I, of the one-day contract. I, I want you to grow I hate, up a little oh, bit. Oh, that's true. You're Why don't okay. you grow up? Maybe yeah. Sal has Listen. gotten too mature. I'd like okay. you to get more mature. Now, you know I, what is in between? Damashek. Just right. Okay. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna do a Brando on you here because I know you've got more show to do. But you know, in the famous scene in the back of the cab and on the waterfront with Lee Cobb, um, Brando finishes his coverage and just goes to his trailer. Prima Donna. Look, he's Prima gotten Donna. so Hollywood. So I'm, I got to get back to work. So I'm going to let you guys get your coverage. You've said uh, more than enough. All right. Cobb style. Uh, all right. And we'll talk, we'll talk to, to you during we'll give Super our Bowl picks. week. We'll give our picks uh, next time. Okay. All right, Looking bye. forward to it. There he goes. Off to rule show business once again. All right, Eddie Spaghetti. You and me will bring it on home here quickly. I'll just give you my goats, uh, the other ones. Dave's idea for the loser bowl. I see other people getting in on it again. It is my longstanding idea for two decades now. I don't care who gets credit for it. Let's do it, though. Let's have the loser bowl. The two worst teams play each other for the first round, uh, for the first overall pick in the springtime draft. Shout out to Federico, Federico, and that pit team. Boy, fun watch. Thank goodness for sports. I talk endlessly about that they give you something to look forward to and hang your hat on as the Penguins swoon and the Steeler season is over and all the things that would make it so that I'm like, I don't really, I don't know. What, what am I going to do here now? It's February. Here come uh, the pit 
Panthers in basketball. Thank goodness for them. And now a quick break. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Eddie Spaghetti, take it away with your ideas. With your start, good goats. Yeah, I'll start with my good goat. And this kind of uh, piggybacks off of the, you know, tangentially from what Hench is talking about with the referees getting into this weird space of the NFL. Is it rigged? The conspiracies. So my good goat, I'm sure you've seen this by now because you're, you're a big fan of uh, PFT commentary as well. But he does a, a podcast with Aaron Foster. <laughs> it's hysterical. And you're right. It's hysterical. And not all athletes are super funny. Some select few are and they break through and you actually laugh. And I think what Aaron Foster did so deadpan, obviously he got famous um, for a comment years ago saying that he would t- uh, fight a wolf one-on-one, which I thought was, was awesome. And he actually broke it down how he'd beat the wolf. Mm-hmm. Deadpan fully just said, the NFL handed out scripts to him before every season and the reaction he got not only from fans, but from other players <laughs> meeting at him being, and then asking why his, the script in certain weeks, obviously there's some memorable um, either plays or injuries that, you know, cost teams victories. I thought a plus job by PFT and uh, obviously funny, Aaron yeah. Foster to, to sell that and it makes people laugh about the NFL. Like there's just no way it could be rigged in the sense of having every, the rosters 53 man roster, plus the practice squad, the, the head coaching staff, everyone to all align with this, um, this script that people think. So yeah, the NFL could have some bad refereeing, um, but I, I, there's definitely no scripts. So a really good job by Aaron Foster. Um, my bad goat. This one is kind of a, a, a mini breaking news thing that happened happened during our extra points record before, but uh, Notre Dame offensive coordinator, Tommy Rees, uh, a, a plane from, from Tuscaloosa flew into South Bend airport and uh, via Nick Saban to fly Tommy Rees down to Alabama to, to go poach him from Notre Dame to, to fill the Bill O'Brien offensive coordinator role for the Crimson Tide. And man, this is, I know a lot of Notre Dame fans don't feel the same way. A lot of them think they'd be fine without Tommy Reese. A lot of them don't really like Tommy Reese. I'm more of a Tommy Reese fan. I think he is a guy that clearly play quarterback, which seems to be the thing in the NFL lately uh, and college that ranks as well, where if you are a, a smart quarterback, um, you definitely get a job. And he's, uh, to me, proven enough with a, you know, a somewhat, I mean, it's unfair to say this about Ian Book, who succeeded uh, all-time wins leader from Notre Dame, but 
they're not the most talented quarterbacks. Now you're probably getting Sam Hartman, legitimately a real chance for Notre Dame to make the, the college football playoff and, you know, potentially win a game in the playoff. One of the best rosters they've had in quite some time. And for Saban to come down or to go up rather to go North poach, Tommy Reese, who denied going to LSU with Brian Kelly last year uh, to stick with the squad, to stick with Marcus Freeman, because he said he want he thinks he can win a championship at Notre Dame to take him and to go to, to Saban play well under Saban or coach well under Saban for a year. And then obviously get an NFL job, which is what Tommy Reese wants. Um, would just be a total gut punch in his season. But he didn't do it though. Him. Yeah, has he at the it's, time? It's on, it, we may be posting the show and he may be gone. So Ooh. I just hate that Saban has the power to do this. I respect it. I respect the time Reese wants to advance his career. I totally understand that. But as a guy that played quarterback in Notre Dame um, and you finally have a roster where you have a, a, a supremely talented quarterback and you have, you're, there's really no holes on this roster and you could legitimately you know, play for a championship when you don't have, CJ Stroud, Ohio State gone, Bryce Young, Alabama gone. Yes, there are obviously there's some hurdles, but with with you know USC and, and other other schools. But man, like you are really close this year, and to lose Tommy Reese would be a devastating blow. But that's what happens when when Nick Saban, who is arguably the greatest coach ever, um, he could do this, and it would stink to see him, uh, you know, wear the the crimson tie, wear the A, the script A on his uh, on his jacket or his hat. It would be awful. Well, maybe you should take a page from Kevin Hench. If if he were an Irish fan, he would say, "Fare thee well, Tommy Reese." I'm going to root for you still because you were once with my team. That's his logic. That kind of stuff makes me crazy. And I ultimately, you can like Tommy Reese and get it if he does it, but you could say, all right, I get where you're coming from. It stinks. It's disloyal. And I would boo Tommy Reese if I were an Irish fan for the rest of his days. I, I, I'd be outraged if he bailed on the alma mater to go down to the Bama football factory so he could get an NFL gig. It's not like Notre Dame is on some island and nobody understand. Nobody in the NFL knows what goes on uh, exactly. up in South Bend, Indiana. That would be that would be bad. I get where you're coming from on that one. Well, listen. It was good times and even better times await in Arizona. We're shipping out me, spaghetti, Sal, the rest of the gang, or many of us at least. Monday night, it's media night. I've said too much already. All I'll tell you is I'm going to be there. Eddie Spaghetti's going to be there. I'm going to have a microphone and football players from both sides playing in the big game, a, a game you really want to win, a game that you really need to win if you're in. I've said too much already, but suffice to say, we will be there on Monday night and all week on Media Row. Give us a shout if you're over there. Come say hi, or if you see us out walking the streets. But in the meantime, for Kevin Hedge, for Eddie Spaghetti, and everybody at the Extra Points Network, get in there. We only got one game left. Enjoy it. Look at Caesars. Go through all the props. There's some fun ones to play there. Get in on that. Go to extrapoints.com. Look at and listen to all the great podcasts to get yourself mentally right for that one last football game and what awaits us as sports fans beyond. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>